Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. My name is Pastor Zach. I'm the worship and discipleship pastor here at City South. Um, And our lead pastor is down at our campus in Uvalde. Again, every time we get to do this, I think that's just a cool opportunity and a cool thing that we have that now our lead pastor is going to visit other campuses and be with those bodies as we are a church, one church in many places. Right? Um, I'm excited to to bring the word to you this morning. So y'all go ahead and stand with me as we read. Um, And remember, one of our core values here is to follow the word. And we're doing this Bible reading plan. If you haven't joined it, you can go on to the app and click on the Bible reading plan and join it today. Start reading. Uh, actually, we'll start reading tomorrow um, for the week. And, and so we want to elevate the authority of the word. Okay. And so as I read this, I'm going to finish. I'm going to say the word of the Lord. And you're going to say, thanks be to God. Okay. So let's practice that. It's the word of the Lord. All right. Let's read the word together. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your kingdom comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of the Lord. I'll be seated this morning. So let me set the stage for you. To this point, Israel has been... Captivated, split up, exiled, beaten, enslaved, just been beaten to a pulp their entire history. Right? And now where we find ourselves in the story is their current captor are the Romans. And just in honesty, the Romans weren't known for their hospitality. They're pretty brutal people. Right? You think about the Colosseum, they literally would gather in the thousands to watch people get ripped apart by lions and bears and Tigers, oh my, for entertainment, right? This was not a a kind society. And they're oppressing the Israelites. They're letting Israel to exist within their rule to an extent. They don't allow them to have a king. They say, you can't appoint a high priest, but we want to approve of your high priest. 
Right? We don't want them teaching things that we don't really agree with. We don't want them raising people up in revolt and all these things. And so you can have a high priest, but we get to say who it is. They took the cloaks of the priest and they locked them away only to give them access to them a couple times a year if they were on their best behavior. They built a giant building institute military fortress right next to their temple so that as they go to worship, they would feel the presence of their oppressor. And in the middle of all of this, there are rebellions that are being born. There's pockets of people that are developing within Israel that have different thoughts on what the scriptures say and how it's going to come to be, what the Messiah is going to do, how he's going to come. Some of them are a little more religious in their ideology. Some are a little more political in their ideology. Right? You had a group called the Zealots that were ready to throw hands and go down and get real violent just to try to get their freedom. And in the midst of all that, They never give up hope. There's this ache and desire to get out of the captivity, even under the weight of the Romans. And they did not give up hope. They held on to things like this scripture out of Zechariah chapter 9. But I will encamp at my temple to to guard it against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people. For now I am keeping watch. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They hold on to these prophecies. This is one of many. And most of these prophecies have this language of being set free, uh, of watching their enemies be conquered. Right? And so they begin to form this idea of what this may look like. And so now we find ourselves in the Passover week, and their whole lives they were taught this Messiah that will come will come on Passover week. And for the very first time, we have a guy that is out there doing wild things that no one understands, things that normal men cannot do. And the excitement is building. If you read this account from Luke and Mark, You see, it actually says that Jesus ate with Lazarus the night before this. And that groups of people were drawing to them to see Jesus and the man that he rose to life. Right? And so it's building momentum. You can feel it in the air. And Jesus heads into Jerusalem. They thought, here comes the guy that's going to conquer everything. He's going to walk in there and wipe out all of our enemies. We can go back to living the way that we were intended to live. And I'm sure the speculations ran wild as they all took on this own thought of what it may look like. What would he do first? Where would he go? Who would he speak to? And so we read in Matthew chapter 21, Verse 12, this is the very first thing he did when he entered into the city. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, 
He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And so they have these ideas of what this will look like, what he will do, what enemies he will take down first. And the very first thing he does is he walks into the temple and he says, you've desecrated it. You've twisted it all up. You've turned it into a den of thieves. See, in this practice, Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem for the Passover, and they needed certain animals to participate in worship and sacrifice. A lot of them were coming from miles and miles and miles, days and weeks and months of travel. They couldn't bring them with them. Some of them didn't own their own. And they walk into this place, and they've hiked up the prices so much no one can afford them. These salesmen are taking advantage of a scenario, a situation, and inhibiting people from worshiping. And Jesus says, not in my house. And then his righteous anger begins to clear the place out. But in his anger, in the midst of his anger, the lame and the blind come to him. And he says, why don't, while I'm here, why don't I just show you what this place is supposed to be about? And then it says he went off to Bethany for the night. We have a lot of misconceptions. We think God will do it this way because this is what I understand. This is what I see. And Jesus is coming in to go straight into the temple. They thought, for sure, he's going right up to that fortress. He's going to wipe them out. No more Romans. No more problems. He's going to storm the capital. No problems. And yet he walks right into the temple. And he says, I don't care what they've been doing. Let's look at what you've been doing. How many times do we use scripture to try to control other people around us and say, well, you're supposed to be doing this. And Jesus is saying, I'll deal with them. How about, how are you handling them? How are you responding to that boss? How are you responding to that friend that keeps disrespecting you? I don't care that they're disrespecting you. I'll talk to them later. What are you doing? But we, we pick up the Bible as if it's a weapon to use against other people to get them to do what we think they should do. We misinterpret. We have our, our mind made up. See, Scripture tells us that you're not to put new wine into an old wineskin. Because what will happen is the, the old wineskin is already uh, stretched out. It's tattered. It's worn. And when you put the new wine in, it will bust. And the new wine will be tarnished and ruined. But so many of us are wanting to live. We want to accept the blessings of today, but force it into the old wineskin of yesterday. 
We want him to do the blessing the way that we know he's done it before. We want him to set us free the way we've seen him do it before. We want him to reprimand our spouses the way we've seen him do before. And when we're forcing it into this old wineskin, it will burst. And the goodness of God has been tarnished. This isn't like a super feel-good message. It's not really intended to be so as we're walking into Holy Week. Understanding what Jesus walked into. See, the palm branches stood for victory, but out of a heart of rebellion. And so they lay down these palm branches as to say, here's your path to victory, Jesus. Go do it the way we see it. And he says, no, I'm going to go in the temple. And I'm I'm sure a lot of them thought, well, he's going to go protect the temple. Right? The, the way that scripture says, he's going he's gonna to encamp the temple. He's going to set them free of the oppressors because the Romans have been doing it all wrong. And he walks right in and he says, no, you need to love me better. You need to love me better. We have these things in our life that we like to just try to hide. And we want God to move everywhere else but we want to keep this old wineskin. But we want to try to take the blessings and force it in there. And all we're doing is misusing everything he ever designed for us. See, Jesus was coming to set forth a new way. And and, and Jeremiah tells us that the law had failed its purpose. It didn't possess the power to do what it was supposed to do, which was to bring people into the heart of God because it was based on the efforts of men. And I don't think I have to tell you, we're kind of fickle. We mess up a lot. Right? Even just physically, we're flawed. And I came up here earlier, and I talked about going in to see a victory. When I stepped off this thing, my entire left leg cramped up. My body's flawed and I'm getting old, right? And yet we we think that just by following through a checklist, we have the ability to do this perfectly. And so Israel misinterpreted and they boiled this down just to a checklist. And, And Jeremiah says that God is coming with a new order. He's going to write his law on their minds and their hearts. He will be their God and they will be his people. we got to stop looking at things like a checklist and understand the whole purpose of everything that God is doing is to pull us into an intimate communion with him. But we like to tell him how he should do that. Take away my oppressors. Take away my pain. Take away my struggles. And he's saying, that ain't my main goal, buddy. My goal is to pull you into me. And at this time, the prince of this world that is running rampant, and I'm not going to stop it. I'm going to use it. We sang it. He takes what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it for good. 
And this is a promise and a blessing from God, which we will receive. But we keep putting it in the old wineskin, and it's bursting and falling on the ground. We're intended to be filled up by these blessings and these promises so that we overflow into the people around us, so that the people around us know what it is to be loved by God, to be accepted, to be cared for. And we're taking the very thing that he's trying to give us to do that, and we're just letting it hit the floor. But it's okay. He knew it from the beginning. When he set the law of Moses into place, he knew it was not the final say. And so he sends his son, and his son brings a helper. The very spirit that Jesus relied on to walk into Jerusalem, knowing that he's going to do the hardest thing that he ever had to do. That very power he relied on to help him get through that is what is available to us today. His desire is to pick us up, turn us around, put our feet on solid ground. So that we would sin no more. It says those that are in Christ Jesus will sin no more. Some of y'all are raising your eyebrow at me. See, when we're talking about sin, we, we, our language is very finite. But the words that we see in Scripture come from the Greek language and the Hebrew language, and they have many different types of words that we just don't possess. And when God's calling us to this perfection, into this sinless life, he's talking about, to, according to our design, the very best we possibly can do it. We're still humanly imperfect. We will make mistakes. Something will slip. But we don't have to choose it anymore. My flesh can die, and I can choose God every single day. And I will choose sin no longer. I don't care who you are, what political party you belong to. But January 6th, when they stormed the Capitol, that should have broke your heart. And the thing is, is I believe a lot of them thought they were doing what was right. The government's not doing what they should do. The government's oppressing this right and that right and all this stuff. And so we're going to take it by force. We're going to show them who's wrong. And the sad thing is most of that was done with a Christian badge right on the chest. We tried to take his scriptures and force it into the old wineskin. We, we tried to go for things that are righteous with unrighteous actions. And we justify it for the means, for the end. But we have to understand that Jesus came to do it a different way. See, they had all these ideas that are building up for generations on generations. And what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He's going to come in. He's going to wipe everything clear. And the very first thing he does makes it very glaringly obvious that they've been wrong 
for hundreds of years. We need to get off the throne of our life, vacate the seat, so that we can make room for the God of this universe to sit on it and tell us where we're going. We can't boil it down to this checklist anymore. Right? I, any of y'all remember being in school, if you were, you were kind of reckless like I was, you would have heard, Zach, I'm going to write your name on the board. I heard that a lot. It was f- cool because in the first service, my second grade teacher was sitting right there and she was, was smiling and nodding her head way too hard. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I was that bad. Right, but what did I begin to do? I began to listen to the instructions so that my name wouldn't go on the board, so that I wouldn't get punished, so that I wouldn't lose whatever privilege that I had. And I boiled it down to that. I didn't understand that the rules my teacher was giving me was to try to make me a better person, a better classmate, a better student. And so I just acted in fear. See, when we trust God and we vacate the seat, we allow him to take the throne of our life. Our spirit enters into this holy rest. Where we can say, I trust you. Right? It's like a kid in the back seat. They're not worried about where they're going. What exit you're about to miss. How fast you're going. They trust whoever's in that seat. But we're trying to be like... The backseat driver. We want to sit in the back and say, hey, well, you see those red lights? Everyone's slowing down. Jesus saying, I got this. I can make this thing fly if I want to, dude. Right? He's got different ways. But we have to vacate it. We have to understand that our preconceived notions are rarely going to be the way that God saw it fit to be. And we have to stop worrying about how other people are breaking this law, causing the chasm to be bigger, whatever language you want to use. And we have to start looking at what we're doing in response. Because that's the only thing I can control. And the, the, the problem, we have this funny problem where we try to control everything that we can't. And the very thing that we do have control over, we let run rampant. And we justify what we do because they ain't doing what they're supposed to do. See, Jesus accomplished what the prophecy said. But he did it from underneath. He didn't come in and wipe down the fortress. He came in and he laid himself down. But we really want to hold on to it. We try to take everything by force. We just need to lay ourselves down. We'll mess up. And we'll do really good. Then we'll mess up again. And it's okay. We just got to vacate the seat and let God move. Why don't y'all stand with me today? As we enter into Holy Week, I, I want you to, to focus. And, and you're trying to put yourself in the minds of all these people that were there, the mind of Jesus, to know what he was walking into. The very first thing, I'm sure nobody was pumped about him going to the temple and doing that. So there you go. He's already a little less liked. 
And he continues on during this week doing things that were so different, leading to the worst thing that he would ever have to endure. And we put ourselves in that mindset. We, we look at the people that were watching him come in as they had the misconceptions and were proven wrong. And they had the decision to take up their pride and say, no, this ain't it. We'd be like, oh, man, I got it all wrong the whole time. I'm sure there was a giant divide that week. And so as we go through Holy Week, I want you to put yourself in that mind and say, God, I want you to show me what is causing me to be separated from you. I want you to show me how I'm using your scripture to try to control other people. I want you to show me where I have these misconceptions. And this can be uncomfortable. See, when Jesus talks about receiving the Holy Spirit, he says, all you need to do is ask. When the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit convicts and purifies and cleanses. And so when we pray pray this prayer, when we have these thoughts, he's going to move. And when the darkest parts of us start to be exposed, we can either pick up our pride and say, this ain't how it's supposed to be. Or we can lay ourselves down and say, I got it all wrong. I want to lift this up. I want to pray over you that you would have the strength to do this this week. I don't care how long you've been doing this, how many times you've prayed a prayer like this, I promise you there is more that he wants to cleanse out. So let's bow our heads today. God, you are good. You are more than we ever deserved. We've misused you. We sped on you. And yet you've pursued us relentlessly. God, I, I lift up the, the people in this room. I ask that you would give them the strength to confront the, the demons in the closet. To understand that the, the victories to come isn't over our enemies of flesh and blood, but the things within us that are separating us from you. I ask that you would give us the strength to get off the throne and allow God to allow you to sit on the throne of our lives as we sit in your holy rest in the back seat. We just go along for the ride. We go wherever you tell us to go. No questions asked. God, I ask that you would fill us with your love. Fill us with your grace. Help us to love better. Help us to love you better. Help us to love your people better. That we would be able to see the world the way that you see it. See people the way that you see them. That we would be able to see the glorious sons and daughters, prince and princesses of you. I lift all this up to you in victory as we wait in expectation for you to move we're asking and we open ourselves up and we give you complete permission to do what you want with us to use us the way that you see fit 
In your name we pray. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.